Welcome back to another episode of Real Film Chronicles podcast. We're excited to have everybody here today in this nice companion piece to our top 10 of 2021 episode. This is the highly requested bottom five of 2021, where Nathan and I will share our bottom five worst movies that we experienced from 2021. It's a fairly short episode. We had a lot of fun recording it, lots of laughs, lots of interesting hot takes. So sit back, relax, enjoy the show. And again, thank you for listening. So now, um, not to disparage filmmakers or filmmaking, but I think we just to, um, it's interesting, I think, for us to, to see where our tastes lie as well. But yeah. we, I think we wanted to talk about just kind of our bottom five um films from 2021 yeah bottom fives and i didn't go into this list with as much criteria or thought as the top 10 like there are movies in here i've rated two stars which isn't by any means like a horrible horrible film Uh, but maybe disappointing movies just movies that i know i'll never revisit Uh, i'm kind of striking off the list but um I can get started with my number five. Oh, yeah. I didn't do them in any really real order, so I don't, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, they're kind of just all over the place. But my number five here is Venom, Let There Be Carnage. Really? Oh, I come thought this on. Was, this was come a really on. awful film, and this is a movie I gave two stars. Not awful. Come on. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> Boo earns. <laughs> <laughs> this might be a controversial entry. I mean, obviously, with you, you must have enjoyed this movie much more. I didn't get anything out of this film, honestly. Like, it's so. Well, listen, and to I've it. seen the positive reviews, and it, it's one of these things where the movie was enjoyable to watch. I didn't, well, sort of enjoyable to watch. It, it was definitely not one of those. Oh, if you turn off your brain, you'll enjoy it more. I don't want to do that. This movie just kind of. Didn't meet any of my expectations. I like Woody Harrelson as an actor. I thought he was awful in this film. I thought the Cassidy, Pletus Cassidy, or whatever his name is, was awful. I thought his interactions Wait. with Eddie Brock was awful. Can you hear my head his, shaking on this? I don't know. I can, I, can, <laughs> I can see it. But yeah, Nathan's head is shaking back maybe, and forth. At, at maybe, everything it's I'm because, maybe it's because I was watching it with my son is super pumped about superhero yeah. movies and about Venom. And I was watching it maybe with him and his excitement rubbed off on me. But like, I'm not going to argue that Venom Let There Be Carnage was a great movie. Was it a bit of uh, mindless fun? Absolutely. But like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you a bit of a hard time, but I can yeah. absolutely see it's, it's not, it's, in comparison to your list, obviously, it's not exactly Shakespeare. Yeah, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Let, let's hear your number five. Number five for me is Jungle Cruise. Um, <laughs> this kind of watered down yes. Pirates of the Caribbean wannabe. Um, I think we we specifically put out a special episode just to talk about how bad this movie was. <laughs> <It> was. <laughs> Honestly, I totally forgot about this movie uh, when assembling this list. I, I, I must have given it like two and a half stars or something. But yeah, I think you liked it a bit more than me, but Jungle Cruise was just like, it just felt like corporate filmmaking at its worst. Um, just like, it felt like they were kind of checking boxes and trying to capitalize on successful franchises from the past without yeah. actually looking at what made them successful to begin with. But yeah, Jungle Cruise was a huge disappointment. <laughs> What's your number four, Brian? My number four is Don't Breathe 2. Yeah. Okay. I've actually actively avoided watching this movie. You haven't seen this one, right? I don't, so, I don't I mean, plan to either. You can spoil it. Yeah, I don't think I need to spoil it here. But uh, 
it, this is the thing. It's like the first movie was was pretty solid. I've gone back to it a couple times. It, it was. was interesting. There was it was like this horror, th- well, more of a thriller that had some pretty unique things in it. Like our every character was was a villain, right? Like there were a bunch of house thieves. Like they're breaking into this this dude's house. He's blind. And he's protecting his home. He's like, oh, he's this is incredible. But he's up to some really awful things in the basement that make him an absolutely vile character, right? Yeah. And then they go in, make a sequel, which is more, which is actually a prequel, yeah. with him as the lead again. And it's just like, no, no, I, I don't want to sympathize with this villain. He's he's really messed up. They put in like his daughter. Uh, in in the film that I think you're supposed to, you know, she's she's yeah. good, like right, but it's unfair. I mean, she's a child. The, you can't use children in this way to just like evoke that fake sympathy for the for the, you know her uncle who's going through all the, this stuff. Yeah. There's there are bad people, and the movie had nothing interesting to say. It was awful. I felt gross after watching it, uh, I, and I don't think it failed completely because you know he's a vile character. I just didn't think the movie really worked. It wasn't necessary. And I think I try and look at most movies with something positive. Like sometimes a movie has something to say, like the creators have something to say, and it might get lost throughout the creation of the film. Different. I mean, there's hundreds of people involved in creating a movie. This yeah. one, in my mind, 100% does not need to exist, had nothing to say, was not interesting, was just absolutely awful. Yeah. And like I'm actively avoiding the film based on the character in the first movie and like looking at the ads and what people have said online about like essentially turning that terrible character into like the protagonist yeah. and the hero of the story. Like no interest at all. Yeah. Um, Hit me with your number four. Number four. I don't know if this is controversial, but uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife. Uh, <laughs> I thought you it was, have no, there's no business putting that movie that far down. Yes, it oh, was an man. absolute. Um, I won't say dumpster fire because the one th- I will give it one thing. It was a very poignant emotional send off for Harold Ramis, who passed yes. several years ago. That was the one thing that the movie got right. Everything else was just like this weird fetishization of the Ghostbusters mythology was like these long <laughs> loving shots of the proton packs yeah, yeah. and this idea of like you know only people who are born from previous ghostbusters can be ghostbusters kind of thing or lead the ghostbusters i didn't get that, out of that it was like this weird kind of like this perversion of the sense of legacy and then it's like the same beats it's like oh we got gozer again oh we got like vince clortho and zool again i, I, like, I do okay. agree that like going like, back oh my to God. the first movie and like the same kind of like you know and Uber like, ghost there was like, like listen, a bit weak, but listen, I know people don't love the second movie as much, but like, uh, like to just like essentially ignore it almost completely and have almost yeah. no nods to the second movie. And, and you're saying like, Oh, this is like, you're a fan of these movies, but like to have like, just like, I don't know whether it's like the stranger things effect where it's just like, Oh, we have a group of like perk, you know, like these plucky teens yeah. are coming to save the day. It's like, no, like you're completely missing the point of the original film. This one had nothing new to say, nothing interesting to say. And it was just like this weird kind of snake eating its tails. Like, oh, remember Proton Packs? Oh, look at like this. It was like almost like Ghostbusters like porn where it was like, oh, yeah, look, look, look at how like the way that the Proton Packs were shot. It was like, oh, look at this, baby. You want some you of this, what? don't you? It I'm, was like, I'm there for it. Like those close ups and like how weathered and like detailed those Proton Packs looked. I was there was, for it. That moment. That was Ecto-1. No, oh, it was completely <laughs> missing the point. It was like it was like mythologizing You're the past gonna... and holding it up as 
this yes. this sacred object to be worshipped. It's like, no, that's not what any okay. of these movies were ever about, and it makes me angry thinking about it. Here's, here's the thing, and, and I think you might have put, you you might put weaponized nostalgia in my mind for a thing. And yes, this movie weaponized is nostalgia. That, I was showing up for this movie, and here's the thing: this is going to make you sick. When that Ecto one blasted out of the barn, and it later on, like it tears around a corner. And the sirens are going in. It's literally the exact same sound from the first movie. I got chills. I was just like, yes, I'd, lo- I'd love this. But I understand I, it is a nostalgia. I hated factor. how it was trying to manipulate me emotionally. <laughs> like it was just like, it was so blatant. There was just like, you're supposed to feel this at this point because you watched this movie and like look at the same thing. It's like, no, to heck with you, Ghostbusters Afterlife. You can you can go sit on sit on it. Get out of here. I'm really angry just thinking about it. Anyway, what's your number what's your number three? My number three, and I'll just preface this to say, like I like watching some of these DC animated movies, and some of them are not great, and some of them are really good. Uh Injustice was a really poor DC animated movie. Uh, and I'll preface that one again by saying, I don't, I'm not really familiar with the source material. Like I don't follow the comics. I know Injustice was a video game, like a one-on-one fighter where the heroes are kind of like ruthless and R-rated and all that yeah. stuff. And this, is, this one is no different. Like it's a bunch of, you know, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman. They're all jerks. They're all doing crazy things to one another. The movie is 70 minutes long. It is pure action front to back. And there, there is a complete lack of characterization. There's no yeah. real good story. There's nothing compelling here. Uh, it, it just felt so surface level. And it may, maybe it's unfair. Like maybe this is a, a kid's movie and, and I'm a 40 year old man who just doesn't understand. Like I'm not getting anything out of this movie. But uh, you know what? A lot of those old DC animated movies worked for multiple audiences and yeah. worked on multiple levels. This one was just bad. And I actually, this one compelled me to write a review on Letterboxd very quickly after watching it, which you have to go check out and hit that like button. But (laughs) the one thing that took me out of the movie the entire time, I felt like I was watching unfinished animation. I thought the character models looked Hmm. awful. And there were these thick black lines. I'm holding my hand up to the camera. You can't see it. (laughs) But they're like right under their knuckles was like a thick black line. I'm just like, were those black lines like placeholders for other animators to like draw the hands? It drove me bananas. And I Googled this thing afterwards and nobody was talking about it. So I felt like those guys going crazy watching this movie. Do not recommend. <laughs> okay. What is your number three? Well, can I do three and two together? They kind of go sure. together. Yeah. Um, yeah. For me, three and two were Shang-Chi and Black Widow. Mm. Um, just wow, like. That is, that is a hot take. Yeah. And I know people out there are going to say is like, Oh yeah. Like it's, they weren't that bad. It was like after the heights that we reached with um, Avengers Endgame and really even all those phase three movies where you had like infinity war and, and Ragnarok and all these great entries into the movies uh, into the MCU that is. Um, and then to come out with like these, just like these really weak, terrible pandering movies like Shang-Chi yeah. and, and black widow that were just like, yeah, we're finally getting more diverse um, leads here, but like, why put them in these terrible movies with these terrible third act CGI mess in, in gray? I don't know, just like things <laughs> flying everywhere. It's so dark you can't see anything. I mean, even like Shang Chi was so disappointing. Where they could have like really taken the inspiration from those, um, you know, martial arts films of the past. Yeah, yeah. 
and really and they, you can see hints of that like the i think they referenced specifically jackie chan um influencing the the bus fight scene at the beginning and that was one of the better yeah. um sequences in the movie um so not so much that they were like absolute terrible movies it's just so disappointing and it's just so insulting that marvel um or disney really because they're owning it that they feel that they can just put out this mediocre garbage and just have dribble and, and just like expect us to like salivate over it like some kind of pavlovian yeah. response and the sad thing is these movies because the the wheels are in motion because we've been yeah, they're yeah. part of the overarching story people are they're making tons of money off of this yeah. but it's like why are why do we have to settle for this this mediocrity and it's and we're being like bringing this mediocrity into into the into our culture yeah. into the movies and it's just like all the resources that disney's taking away from um you know like the night house for instance was actually it's owned ultimately by disney right because it's i think it's by was it by 20th century studios or something yep it got no play it got very little distribution yeah. because they were so focused on pushing out this junk like black widow and, and shang chi that you know, people like we talk. We mentioned the Night House, and we know it because we're kind of in that in that world. We're looking out for yeah. these films. Most people I know have never even heard of the Night House, and it's you know like for us, it's yeah. one of the best films Criminal. of twenty twenty one. But like everyone's heard of Black Widow and Shang Chi, it's just like eating up all his bandwidth from all these other films, and the yeah, and that to me is the the lar larger crime I think at play. But they they go together to me. Shang Chi and Black Widow are kind of inter interchangeable at three and two for me. And I can't disagree that those were poor movies. Um, but I only have really one question. And this is probably why it's the hottest take, is that this means Eternals is ranked higher for you than these two movies, right? <laughs> yes, because even though Eternals was not was not great for me, but I appreciated that they did something a little bit different um, uh, uh, visually in yeah. terms of storytelling. There was too much packed in, obviously. They were trying to make an Avengers before like to kind of jump to the end there's too many characters to balance out effectively but i really appreciated at least they were trying to do something different um with the characters and with the narrative um and even visually um, didn't always work but to me much rather see the eternals try and fail than black yeah. widow and shang chi just completely phone it in and not even try so that was your number two or three a one-two punch of mcu yep. <laughs> disaster <laughs> yes uh, it, and i think we could talk forever about the mcu and like the phase four and all this stuff but yeah we gotta push forward my number two of the worst movies i've seen in 2021 <laughs> uh, is alien conquest okay uh, this is going to be a pretty obscure movie this i think was the most obscure movie that i watched uh in 2021 it is a straight to streaming i mean straight to video yeah uh, this is from one of those studios that just makes really cheap knockoff films of popular blockbuster movies yeah like, are you talking uh, about like an asylum film exactly i don't know if this is asylum but this one <laughs> normally i wouldn't even well the thing is with this one it might have been in this territory if it's so bad it's good i actively enjoyed watching this but i think this one stands apart from those other ones that are so poor that i don't even want to think about them i just got a kick out of a whole bunch of different things it's like you know the budget is super low and it, like every outdoor scene is in generic woods. And in my mind, they have a van <laughs> with the actors and some cameras. They get out in the middle of the woods. They start filming at noon because of the lighting. Everything is lit the same. Everything looks the same. There's no, you know, filming uh, permits to worry about. Get out, film. You have 15 minutes. Get out of there, right? 
it's just it was crazy the special effects are getting better in these really poor movies yeah i think there's more talent out there and i mean they are what they are but if you watch the trailer for this movie you've seen basically 90 percent of the budget of the movie uh <laughs> what stands apart for this one is that it's an adaptation of uh hg wells war of the worlds and oh. I think with a classic story like that, like this is public domain, you know, this isn't, doesn't feel like a knockoff of a modern blockbuster. This is an adaptation of a hundred year old story that we all know. I mean, you have the alien tripod machines, you have these funky looking aliens inside. It's the same story. You kind of know what's going to happen, but you've pretty much seen everything in this movie, in the trailer. It's a really short film. I think it's in like the 70 minute territory. <laughs> it, it's full of bad acting. It's full of bad effects, but I mean, it had heart. And here I am talking about bad movies and I'm saying you should probably watch Alien Conquest because it had a lot of heart. <laughs> this is one of those things. I, I rate this movie like one, one and a half stars, but I had fun watching it. It's not like watching Injustice, my previous entry, and being yeah. upset while watching it. It's like this one, it's so bad, I feel bad for <laughs> everyone involved, but I hope <laughs> that they will be able to do better. One of the big things that really stood out to me was the acting levels. Like we have one character who's probably a better actor He's working on a different energy level than his co-stars. So he's sharing a scene. Obviously, these people are just kind of showing up. I don't know what they've done. I don't want to like berate their, their acting Billy, but they're bad in this movie. And he's working at a different energy level than the than his surrounding castmates. And it's just really off-putting when you're watching. It's stuff like that that really make this a poor movie. <laughs> now you did two and three. Should I just jump into number one for me? Do your number one. What was your what was your absolute worst movie that you saw in 2021? Just like my number one top 10 film was a horror movie, The Deep House is my worst horror movie that I saw in 2021. Okay, I've been I've been wondering about that one. I saw right? that uh I, I, I saw it on, on different lists and stuff, but I haven't uh, yeah. had a chance to take a look at it yet. I was curious. But you're saying that it's complete garbage. For me, it was complete <laughs> it was complete garbage like Here's the thing. Like I just talked about Alien Conquest, like really poor budget. This movie looks like a well-produced movie. The acting yeah. in it is fine. The directing, everything in this movie is fine. It just did absolutely nothing for me. Uh, it's a film about a couple who are like who are like YouTubers who film their diving journeys. Yeah. They find interesting things, and it's like in this case, they have got a tip on an abandoned home that's like a hundred feet underwater. This is an interesting concept. And so 90% of the movie is underwater. The actors are in their heavy scuba gear behind masks the entire time. Um, and everything is predictable. Like, you know what the movie's about before I even talk about it. just that, that concept. And without telling you any more of the plot, you know what happens in the movie and you know how the ending uh, works out. <laughs> and it wasn't like so bad. I found the movie offensive or anything. It was just... It was just so bad I forgot about it moments after I watched it. I mean, I had to go <laughs> go back and rewatch the trailer for this, uh, all the stuff, and I log everything. It had this low rating, and it's just like I forgot that I watched this fairly recently, and uh, it was it was just bad. But it has an average rating on a letterbox of two and a half. Uh, this is probably <laughs> one of the higher rating ones that I've listed. But um, it did nothing for me. I don't think it added to the genre. Hmm. It had nothing interesting to say. Oh, man. So... All that being said, <laughs> what's what's sitting at your number one worst movie of 2021? This, this okay. This was unintentional. It's kind of poetic, but Nick Cage starred in both my favorite and least favorite movie of 2021, <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of on brand for Nicolas Cage, I guess. 
I almost least blew out the water movie. I was drinking. <laughs> <laughs> least favorite movie had to be Prisoners of the Ghostland. Oh, jeez. Um, maybe it was because I had my expectations set a little bit higher. Yeah. I was hoping for like one of these kind of surprise, like, kind of, you know, hidden gems maybe. Because um, with Nicolas Cage, you never know because he does star in such a large array of movies of yeah. varying quality. And Cage himself, I always love watching what he does and, and seeing what he brings to, to the role. Um, with Prisoners of the Ghostland, it was some weird, I think, post-apocalyptic setting or like an alternate reality. It's never clear. Who knew? It was not clear. <laughs> like nothing about the movie was clear. Um, the script that they had to work with was was trash. Sophia Batella was in there as well, and she's she's really good at action scenes, and she's she's uh, on my on my radar of she's good and I like movies. to look out for. Yeah, and like. You put Sophia Butella in there, and it's like she finally got an action scene at the end. But it's like you're wasting her her best talents here. But yeah. like the the plot was convoluted. Um, it was just like a bizarre mix of kind of Western and Eastern iconography. Without you look at something like Blade Runner, which like you takes like kind of the Asian influence and the Western influence and kind of blends that together in this kind of you know really well into this vision of the future. And Prisoners of the Ghostland was opposite of that. It was this really weird mis- mishmash of different people and had a Western setting with a samurai setting, which should go together because thematically they're kind of the same, but like it feels completely out of place. Um, Nicholas Cage is getting his his uh, genitals blown off and his hand that cut off. That was so weird. Really, really weird where like, Nicholas Cage is holding up one of his testicles that was blown off. It was so brutal. Yeah, it was just like the but whole... But it made no sense. Nothing about the nothing. movie made sense. A lot of the performances fell flat, probably because of the script. Um, it was just complete and utter nonsense. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this was one of those things where like they just had a computer randomly generate a <laughs> script <laughs> as a joke or as, as an experiment and then just filmed it on a dare or something. I don't know. Well, it's interesting. I watched this as well, and I, I I feel like we were prepping to maybe feature this in one of our episodes last year, but we just yeah. neither one of us really got around to watching it. And then we do for this 2021 project, and it's like, thank God we didn't have to sit yeah. through that and like be forced <laughs> to talk about it for an hour. So it was really bad. But I was interested, like, who is behind this film? And I looked up afterwards. It's a fairly prolific Japanese filmmaker who created okay. this this movie. And I think the story is that he wanted to work with Nicolas Cage. Like he had seen- Who doesn't? And I can't remember which Cage film it was. I didn't really recognize it, but he had seen that movie. And he's just like, I need that Nick Cage in this movie of mine. And looking at his credits, like he's directed a whole bunch of things. He has 60 plus uh, okay. entries in, in Letterboxd, but I don't know what else happened to make this movie so bad. And does that speak to the rest of the this guy's movies? I don't know. It was, I, I agree I with you. Prison of the Ghostland was pretty poor. Yeah, it was easily, it was like, but that, that's Nick Cage for you though. That's, that's the mystery of Nick Cage. Like he's, he's in like the yeah. best and worst movies. He's just, he's everywhere and nowhere. <laughs> yeah. Right. And that's like, it's, it's funny too, because it's, it, it's perfect to put it at the top. He, he's at the top of both lists. It perfectly encapsulates his career. <laughs> And then probably right in the very direct middle, you have Willy's Wonderland from last year. I was going to say, like, he's he's everywhere <laughs> on the spectrum all at once. <laughs> yeah. 
This oh, yeah, still our... might become a Nick Cage uh, podcast series. <laughs> it's inevitable. There's some interesting takes in the, in the bottom five. We might have to do an episode about Ghostbusters Afterlife, it sounds like. Well, you know, our <laughs> listeners are always uh, remind me that uh, we never disagree on a movie. Uh, the problem is with Ghostbusters Afterlife, like I understand that I'm being manipulated. I'm just, I don't really care. <laughs> I, I was basically, <laughs> I, like I was just sitting there eating my popcorn. It's just like, I'm, I'm loving, I'm just going to live this up for now. And it, it's kind of like one of those things where I think the circumstance, just like uh, you were watching, uh, what was that movie with your son there? Oh, oh um, yeah. Let there be Venom. carnage. Venom, let there be carnage. Just like yeah. you, yeah. Just like you were watching Venom, Let There Be Carnage with your son. It's about circumstances and how you're watching this movie. Yep. I'm watching Ghostbusters, Saturday night, popcorn, soda in hand, and I, I'm down for it. It's just uh, it just scratched that itch that I had at the time. That's fair. Will I go out and rewatch it later on? Possibly. But I'm much more interested in going back to Ghostbusters for, 1 and 2. For the record, I believe I rated this lower than the 2016 remake. Ooh. Yeah, take that. <laughs> Think about that for a while, Brian. <laughs> Any other closing comments? Any honorable mentions for really poor movies? Um, a couple. There was one I watched the other day, Naked Singularity, which had such potential, but it just kind of fell flat. Um, I appreciated it was what it was trying to do, um, but just didn't really, wasn't able to do it. Um, overall, I think... Um, for the most part, I watched more good than bad from 2021. Yeah. I don't know that just happened to be my viewing habits. Um, but overall, it seemed like a pretty decent year in film. I was kind of surprised Mortal Kombat didn't make your list. Top <laughs> five or bottom five, sorry. No, I thought that was a middle of the road movie for me. Yeah. yeah. What What do you got? What do you got? I for think me, I'll Brian? just throw in one uh, honorable mention was The Woman in the Window, uh, starring my girl. Amy Adams. That's too bad for Amy. It's was really unfortunate. I think this was a Netflix film maybe. And I put it on immediately because I'm going to show up for any movie this woman puts out. Absolutely. And I, I just could barely sit through this film. It was, it was really poor, but it, it's like the production on it is fine. Everything is fine. The acting is fine. It just wasn't interesting. And it was ultimately just really disappointing. Right. It could have easily made that list. Another movie that we watched together over the summer was The Conjuring 3. was rated very low on my list, but I didn't feel comfortable yeah. putting it in here because, again, I just forgot about the movie moments after we watched it until we bring it up every so often. It wasn't great. It was, I think it was easily the weakest of that core Conjuring trilogy. Yes. Um, I haven't seen all the other ancillary um, films in that series, like the Annabelle and the Nun and uh, was it La, La La Roca whatever the heck it's called. Um, yeah. But yeah, it wasn't, I think Conjuring 3 was just one of those ones where it wasn't, it was meh. It was mediocre. It was middle of the road. It wasn't great, yeah. but it wasn't terrible. It was just, it was. <laughs> it was certainly it a movie it. that exists. It exists and uh, it'll just be forever remembered as that. Yeah. This year was a bonkers year for movies. There was all sorts of, I think you're right. There's a lot of quality. I haven't pulled together my stats of like the overall like average rating, but even in my bottom five, some movies are rated two stars. I have a lot of movies at two and a half, and I, I enjoyed them just fine. Uh, a lot of highly rated films. And uh, Benedict Cumberbatch was in most of them. Yeah, he, was, <laughs> he showed up everywhere. <laughs>
That's a wrap on another episode of the Real Film Chronicles podcast. Thank you for listening and hanging out with us today. We really appreciate your support and look forward to you joining us for the next episode. We can be found around the internet and social media, with our home base being realfilmchronicles.com, which will have all the links you need to follow and keep in touch with us. If you have a moment, we'd really appreciate if you could leave some feedback, such as a rating on Apple Podcasts or on whatever platform you're listening on. And feel free to send us an email to realfilmchronicles at outlook.com. We'd love some suggestions, questions, or general comments and would enjoy including them on an upcoming episode. Until next time, take care of yourself and others and keep your film journey going.